I'm Dr. Matt Maggio, and this is the Soft Tissue Practice Revolution, the podcast made for any practitioner that specializes in advanced soft tissue treatment methods, clearly the superior form of all conservative musculoskeletal care, as all other treatment methods lack long-term and effective results. Those that know they were sold lies and false promises in school, those that spend the extra time, energy, and money to invest in becoming the best soft tissue specialist in the entire world, those that truly want to help those in pain stay far away from the horrible fate of pain pills, injections, and surgeries. Those that want to bring back ethics, honesty, and integrity to healthcare and would never scam or rip off a patient who truly needs help. We are the true soft tissue specialists, clearly the most important conservative care practitioners out there and always will be. All right, just reshot that intro, so really just trying to practice on that, but we're on to another one of our great coaching calls. These have been some of our most highly requested, highly downloadable, or however you say that, episodes as of today and to the date, and I really enjoy making these. And one thing that we talked about on the two coaching calls past was I talked about something very personable to myself that I really hadn't shared with anybody um, besides those that were really close to me and that wasn't very too many wasn't too many people and I realized on one of the calls when I was talking to Chris I kind of mentioned it but I said it in passing but I talked about a time when things got so hard for me in life and business and practice that I decided one day that I was going to take my own life and commit suicide. And I realized the ramifications and the deepness of that after the fact. I, you know, I kind of said it nonchalant, but I forgot that I hadn't told anybody really about this except for a few people and with people that were close to my life, they never knew how bad it really got or how really dark it got. So I ended up recording it and talking about it and I was going to release it like right after that last coaching call. And then I actually kind of talked myself out of it because I didn't know what people would think. But in the beginning of this call with Chris, he encouraged me to share that story and how much it affected him and how it could help other people. So I ended up deciding that I am going to release that recording and it's going to come out after this episode. And I'm going to talk about my darkest day ever, the day that I decided to kill myself back in 2017. And I want to share that story. It felt better after I recorded it, but I just want to be able to put all the cards out on the table and show people that I've been there too. I've been there in a struggle and I know what it's like and I'm really glad that Chris encouraged me also to share this and I decided to share the recording of it with some family members first and those close to me so they didn't just hear it first time from that because they never realized how deep it had really gone and how close I really was that day so on this coaching call we're just kind of diving in a little bit more um, where Chris was asking me questions about my evolution my practice and where I've gone and also talking about that and the importance of sharing your struggles and sharing your journey to other people out there and helping because you never know if you will affect someone in a positive way that really needs it. So I'm really appreciative for him for pushing me to want to do that. And this is the coaching call um, for that day. 
And then, as I said, the next one will be talking about my darkest day ever. And I just decided to finally get it out there and share it. So we'll see you guys on the next one. As always, I appreciate everyone's attention and downloading and sending me messages and really just want to be part of this journey because we got a big impact to make and we're going to do it one practitioner at a time. So here's a coaching call. We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. All right, here we are back, back at it. Um, really liked your, your video. Uh, it's good to get out there and practice. I, as I was watching your video, I went back and watched my first ever video. And, yeah, I kind of see the the transition of where it goes. And, you know, my biggest thing is to people is like, especially as soft tissue specialists, like we have a really good message to share. And people, as you see, they they overthink it and they want it to be perfect and the perfect lighting and whatever. I'm like, just get on camera and tell your story, man, and how you help. And it'll really can affect and help a lot of people. It was really interesting because I, I did one a couple of days ago just as a, a start, a little bit of an intro, and that took me ages, and I found it quite difficult, actually. I was getting frustrated and swearing at my phone and almost throwing it across the room, but eventually I just uh, just used what I had, and then sitting down again yesterday, um, it was a lot easier. I just kind of... Uh, I don't know, switched off a little bit and uh, it just, yeah, it happened easier. So it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. One thing I learned from one of my mentors was like, and I talked about it, is the first 20 hours of learning, anything kind of sucks, um, especially with technology and like using your phone and like loading it up and subtitles and all that stuff. But once you learn how to do it, then it becomes easy. And I think that's what limits people in the beginning because they get overwhelmed with the technology. But the thing is with Google and YouTube, you can find out how to do pretty much anything. Yeah, definitely. And I'm fortunate too. I've, I sort of know my way around some of this tech stuff. So um, yeah, that, that hasn't been too hard, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a whole new world. It's um, yeah, even just, just putting together the format of the video, I needed to look up a bit about that and there's, it seems to be common ways of doing that now with some text around the borders and all this stuff. So it's, um, it's a fast moving thing. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's always overwhelming. And then I get even more frustrated. Like I, we had, we had this one app and it worked really well for like the subtitles and the text around the border. And then they did this massive update. Now I'm like, what the fuck? I just learned all this. And then I found myself <laughs> getting frustrated and I tried to edit a video yesterday and it took me like an hour and I'm like, well, this is just kind of what happens. But as you get, as you get bigger and you get better, eventually you're gonna like just outsource that to people. But in the short term, always learning how to do it. I always tell people one of the most important things is learning how to control every aspect of your business and never relying on anyone unless you actually um, are in a position where it saves you time. But in the short term, learn how to do everything yourself from the top to the bottom. Yeah, good advice. Um, actually, on, I've got some software actually that I can uh, I can show you offline that works pretty good for putting that stuff together, all the captioning and all that shit. So I can uh, I can show yeah, you. Yeah, I got I got some app. It's called like Veeam V E M E dot L Y, and it was like seventy dollars US for the year, and it really works well with the iPhone. I've been using that one as well because there's people out there charging ridiculous amounts for people to edit 
edit their videos and do stuff like that. And it's just learn how to do this stuff yourself and then teach someone else in your organization. That's what I tell people. Nice. So done with exams, on break, all that kind of stuff. I forgot where we left off last time. I, I know I went into a little bit more yeah. of my, my story. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, our talk last time and I, I listened to it back and um, it was really good. And there was a lot of parallels in that. Some of the things that you talked about with uh, even some of the stuff that I'm sort of doing at the moment. And, and so that was really helpful for me. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, we have to be mindful of staying within our lane of musculoskeletal, but some of the, I think some of the things that you got into on a more deeper personal level, man, that was, um, that was great. And I wasn't expecting that to come out in that conversation. And I think it was just, it was very brave on your part to put that out there and to talk about that. And I think as, you know, as, as humans, but especially as men, it, we don't talk about things like that well. And I think we need to generally do it better. And it's a really positive thing to be able to do that. And um, you, you, I guess you just don't know who that conversation might touch one day when they're having a really shitty time. So um, yeah, man, I didn't expect to sort of have that come out in the conversation, but I, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's actually f funny, not funny. Um, interesting that you brought that up because I realized when I said it and I put it out there, I was like, oh shit, I said something pretty extreme and I kind of just sideswiped it. And then afterwards, and I did this last, was it last weekend or two weekends ago, I actually recorded a whole podcast talking about that day that I wanted to kill myself. And I never really gone through it with anyone in depth. Like they knew kind of that I was feeling that way, but I actually recorded the whole thing and it's about 20 minutes long and I did a video of it and I was gonna release it um, right after I re released the, the first coaching call that we did because I'm like, man, I can't sit in there and say that I thought about killing myself and then just kind of leave it out there hanging. So I recorded it and then I shared it with um, my fiance and I shared it with my mom first and I'm glad I did it that way because they didn't even know the extent of it and I think I would have felt bad if I put it all out there without letting them hear it first and I'm, I felt so much better after I made it but then I started you know my doubts and ideas creeped in I'm like what are people gonna think are they gonna think this or this and it's like no, the people that are going to connect with it are going to be the ones that understand it. And those are the people that I want to help. And if my story can help one person, like, I have a duty to share it. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely. You just don't know. Um, because, yeah, as I said, I think we don't always do a great job of, of talking about some of this stuff. And, um, you know, someone could be going through some shit one day and, and that might be just what they need to hear. So, uh yeah, I think well, it's a good thing to put out. And sometimes even just for yourself, like that would have been a really, um, probably a really therapeutic thing to sit down and talk about it. And even if you didn't share it with anyone, sometimes that shit just really helps. 
Yeah, it was better just from sharing it with my fiance and my mom. They didn't realize how bad it had really gotten. And I talk about, you know, we wear these masks as, as practitioners, especially males, where we have to be tough. But it's like, hey, man, if you're struggling, struggle, you know. I hate in this world of social media and instant gratification, we're only seeing everybody's highlight reel and all the best portions of their life. But the ones that truly are making an impact and helping people are the ones that are willing to pull back the curtain and show what's really going on. And I think our, our society is, is craving for transparency and honesty and just being real and being like, Hey, I got my own shit too, man. And here's what it is. What's your shit. And they always say like, there's a, I don't know if they say it in Australia, but they say it here in the U S or like, if you went into a room with everyone and you put all your problems in a bowl and you'd want to walk out of there with your problems still after you saw other people's problems. Like I butchered that, but basically along that line. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's good, man. I, I think you'll, um, I think you'll get a lot more fans just with that, that yeah. sort of openness. So I think it's great. Good on you. Yeah. And I just keep continuing as I'm, as I'm evolving this and talking to more and more people and making, more and more connections and people reaching out for me on the podcast and all this, I'm like, people really, they need help with this stuff and they don't know what to do. And I can see them going down that path of being like, man, I just spent all this money and all this time on this education that I can't even use, you know? And it's like, it's depressing. And I understand why people I understand why people sell out and they start doing shit that they don't believe in, like lasers and decompression therapy and stem cells, because what else are they going to do? They didn't learn anything of real substance at school. They didn't learn how to evaluate and assess someone. They learned from a bunch of people that had no idea what the hell they're doing. And they're, they, they're upset and they're they're disappointed, but they also have to pay their bills and take care of their family. And it's like, fuck, traditional chiropractic is not gonna do that. And I feel for them, but also they have to also be willing to understand and let go of that older, of the past. You know, people all the time are like, well, they sold me bullshit at school. Yeah, they did, man. But you can sit there and be a, a victim and pretend that it's like all, all their fault or you can take control and realize that what you're doing is not better. It's not helping people. And, and either stop treating patients and just say, fuck it, or go out and invest and get better at treatment and technique and evaluation because there's so much better on the other side of that. But a lot of people just don't want to do the work. It's tough. There's, uh, there's fairly high attrition rates here that, that I've been told in terms of new graduates that come out of uni and within uh, i don't know how long i think within the first maybe 12 18 months or something like that but it's something like 30 percent like it, it was i was kind of shocked at the the number but that are no longer in practice after they've spent five years uh getting their qualification and I think part of that is because there's um, there's almost like a, a false sense of hope that they just I'll finish uni and I'll walk into 80k 100k 
job. We'll be treating people. They'll be busy. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be helping everyone and fixing pain. Um, and that reality doesn't just happen. It's um, it, it. The actual reality is that it takes that amount of time again to really kind of build a little bit of momentum and kind of I think probably just learn a whole shitload of new skills. So it's, uh, a lot of people get discouraged with that, and um, I think you know they end up potentially working in other jobs, like maybe working in a cafe or who knows what. But um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's it's a proposition that goes longer than just the five years of learning to actually get up and running. Well, yeah, I go. I, I always use this analogy, but like chiropractic is one of the few things where you go and you pay your money and you do your training and you get out and you actually don't really have a clue of what's going on. Say I pay my money and I go to electrician school. Like when I get out, I'm gonna know how to wire a house. Or if I'm a surgeon, I'm gonna go to surgery school and I know how to do surgery. Where chiropractic is this, putting this dogmatic like approach down there and it's teaching old, old things. They don't teach a damn thing about how to run a business or how to run a successful practice, how to control your finances, how to market to do stuff like that. And they sure as hell don't teach you how to diagnose. They just go, here's the basic things to pass the test and good luck. It's a bad investment. And that's what people have to realize is like, it's a shitty investment long-term unless you're willing to put the extra training in to get better. And that's what people are unwilling to do. They're like, well, I did this, I did this, I'm entitled and I deserve this. Because I made it through school, I passed boards. And it's like, I'm sorry to tell you this, sweetheart, but the the market dictates value now. And if you're not bringing something of value, you are not going to be successful. But people are unwilling to put the extra work in and go. They just want to sit there and, and play that victim. And be like, school screwed me over. They sold me a false bill of goods. They did. But you can go two ways with it. You can understand that it, it was what it was and make decisions or you can put your head in the sand and keep doing bullshit. But at the end of the day, the people that are going to rise to the top are going to be the people that are actually truly helping people and getting them better. And all the scam artists will go away, all that stuff. But there's still a majority of the population out there that wants to get better. The numbers in the States, they've never changed. Like routinely, 9 to 11% of the American population goes to chiropractors. That number has not changed in 30 years. So what I looked at it is there's 90% of people that are still having pain that won't go see a chiropractor. So why not pitch yourself as something different? The anti-chiropractor, the person who doesn't adjust, that focuses on soft tissue and rehabilitation and going after that market. Let the people that want to go see the chiro and think that they're subluxated and their cheese off and all that shit and all that in there, let them keep going because those people are going to continue to go. But there's such a bigger percentage of people that need help. And chiros traditionally have better hands than physios and things like that. Physical therapists don't want to go hands-on. And here's the thing, like tissue needs hands-on treatment. You can sit there and exercise it and stretch it and roll it all you want, but it needs a mechanical process. And there's such a big opportunity for soft tissue specialists, but it takes work. It takes dedication and it takes changing your mind. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. But the ones that are, that are willing to make that change and make that sacrifice, 
they're going to be sitting pretty in the next three to five years and because they made a good decision. Yeah, look, I agree, man. And, yeah, we're getting a little bit ranty already this morning, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I've already been up. I've been ranty all day. I just made a, I made an IG um, story video about pain and pain being your teacher and, like, how freaking ridiculous it is to me when people are like, oh, I'll just get rid of your pain. It's like, well, why are you having pain? What are you doing about pain? Like, and just why we're in the problems that we are, like, especially in the States, I mean, we have the worst opioid epidemic ever. And everyone's like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, I know exactly what happened. People will do anything to get out of pain. Doctors are facilitating that. And then we go from there, like problem solved. Here you go. Like you have to address function. You have to address why the symptoms are happening. And we don't do that here because there's no incentive for people to fix people functionally because then they don't get to do the thing on the back end, which is a $100,000 surgery. We can just all, we can all sit here and pretend and play nice, but when it's all said and done, being injured and the, the idea of surgery medicine is a big business. And if people are getting better and taking their care into their own hands and getting conservatively treated, it's bad for business for the big guys. Yeah, look, I think with what, what you're doing with putting a lot of this stuff out there, it'd be, um, it'd be easy to get overwhelmed and just kind of go, fuck, like this machine that I'm up against is too big. There's, it, I can't make an impact. Like, what's the point? But, you know, I think you only really have to uh, maybe touch a couple of people out there, like change a couple of lives. And it's, that's got to be worth it, you know? Like, um, and it might not end up in changing that whole machine and that whole massive thing, but it, it might just change a few lives and it might make a difference for a few people and it might be a huge difference for those few people. And um, so, yeah, man, I think it's, it's awesome. Well, that's one of my goals. And like, I have my, I write the written on my mirror every morning and I see them is I have, I, I call them my vitals, like my three things that I focus on. And one of my vitals is I just want to live a happy, healthy, good life until the age of 95. Number two is I want to teach 500 doctors my method. And number three is I want to put an end to the pain pill epidemic. So the, putting an end to the pain pill epidemic is one of the most loftiest things ever. And it's my shoot for the moon. But you know what? If I can get 100, 200, 3, 4, 500 practitioners worldwide that are impacting people's lives and making noise, we're going to make a big fucking dent. And people are going to start listening. And that's my real goal. Because I know I can't take on big pharma, big insurance, and the hospitals. But you know what? If I can start a grassroots campaign of really amazing practitioners that are getting people better, people are going to start listening. They're going to start showing up. And they're going to start seeing it. And you know what? We're going to get people's attention. And other industries are going to get attention too. When I start showing people how you can run an amazing profitable, abundant clinic without having to deal with insurance and the bullshit that's out there. Other people are going to start listening and the insurance companies are going to start attacking me and going after that. And I know that. I know that I'm going to get mud thrown at my face. And that's why I'm going to put it all out there, man. Here's all my shit. Here's everything you could ever find on me. Because you know what? When they start throwing shade and they start throwing mud in your face, you're onto something. And I've already started to see that. There's people that are 
reaching out and lashing out back at me because I'm disrupting it. And the world needs a disruptor. And if anyone's going to do it, it's me. Yeah, look, I think you're probably just a, almost a little bit ahead of the curve. And I think we talked about this before because, um, you know, some of the people that I talk to over here, and actually I was catching up with a friend of mine who's a physiotherapist, and uh, I can't remember how the conversation started, but we were we ended up getting into how the, the current sort of payment model and the... Um, is a little bit broken or it's not working necessarily over here in terms of getting a, a good follow-up from patients and a good result. And it, it, so it was sort of coming back to that whole um, case fee type deal that we've talked about before. And um, and so I explained that to him in, in what I understand from having talked to you and how you use it. And uh, that made, he, he agreed. He made, it made a lot of sense. And um, we just, the more we talked about it, it, it seemed like it's just, we're just not quite there yet, but it's probably around the corner. Um, so it, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of this stuff is just, it's just a little bit ahead of the curve and that change is just really slow to grind out. Well, it happened over here in the States as well. You know, people, some of the doctors that were smart, like I'm talking like primary care physicians and regular doctors, they got smart, like, nine or 10 years ago and they created a concierge thing where you pay a fee, you get more access to the doctor, you get limited spots in there. And the ones that jumped on it early have amazing thriving practices with really good patients because people are willing to pay for quality. And that's the thing. And it's like the doctors that can learn this now and adapt it, they're going to be ahead of the curve when everyone else is like, when insurance just flat out goes away and doesn't pay for shit, they're going to be like, what do we do? It's like, well, I want to be like that guy. I was like, well, you're five years behind. Good luck, man. Yeah, yeah. Look, change, um, I think it, it just takes time. And, you know, like it's what you were sort of alluding to before with the the big farmer and the, the, the big, like it's that, that whole landscape is, is so big and so complex. And, um, yeah, it's going to take, I guess, start at that lower levels and some small changes and, um you know, if that works really well, then hopefully there's a trickle-on effect that sort of happens. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, the thing that you have to realize is that it requires the doctor and the practitioner to change their mindset when it comes to money. Like, and understand, like, of all the things that people pay for in their lives and, and do, the thing that they always try to cheap out on is their health. And health is the one thing that you can never get back. So... What, I, I think I released a podcast today, the one I had earlier, it was a good one, but I the audio got messed up, so I took it down, but the, the first podcast was more about, like, no one cares about all your fancy letters and certifications after your name, um, kind of those people where it goes into, like, an ego type of thing, right. but the one that I released today instead was how to get better patient outcomes and to simply just charge more. People value what they pay for. And if you're charging them 30, 40 bucks a visit or their insurance covers it, they're not going to take their care seriously. You're gonna get better outcomes if you actually charge people accordingly. And the people that don't wanna pay for it or they don't wanna invest in their health, honestly, and this might sound cynical, but fuck them. Fuck those people because they don't care enough. 
Those are the same people that go eat shit food, they drink beer, they smoke, they drive a car that costs way more than they should and have a house more than they could, but they don't give a fuck about their body. And you know what? They deserve what they get. And that people want to be like, oh, that's harsh. It's not harsh. It's reality. It's the truth. If you invest in your health, it pays you back tenfold. And investing in good quality care should be there. But it comes back to the doctor's limiting beliefs. They think that the patient is going to think they're greedy or that they're this or that they're that. And that's the same patient that will go and drop five grand on a vacation or a new air conditioner for their house, but they won't spend two grand to get their shoulder fixed. You see where that mindset goes? Yeah, it's just it's that the reactive mindset rather than the proactive one. And, you know, I think that's a shift that needs to happen as well in terms of in the future what, what we can offer. And, you know, we talked about this before, but I, I think there needs to be um, more of like a like a service center like people show up to to get their get their servicing done rather than just showing up when something's not working and because by the time that by the time they're in pain and by the time that they really really need to come in and, and get help like shit's been going wrong for a while already yeah and so yeah man i i think that that's kind of the future in a way in a way is it's shifting that mindset and kind of getting people in um, on a maintenance basis kind of thing. And, and that's tough because we've been sort of conditioned to, with the old chiropractic models of having people come in and, and, and get their subluxations sorted out and all that sort of thing. And so we've been kind of told to move away from that. And I get that because, you know, we don't want to... Honestly, like, and yeah. I, I think I've learned from that too. Like, honestly, people that get their subluxations fixed or are more drawn towards like traditional chiropractic, they're usually a little off anyway. They're a little mentally off in some ways because they're willing to believe that. Like any treatment that, that asks you just to believe in it, like believe in a theory it doesn't give you real and objective data like here's a measurement and here's where you are like that doesn't attract the right kind of people there are people out yeah. there that need our care and almost pitch yourself as the anti-chiropractor be like yeah adjustments do this they make you feel better they get your joint moving but they're not a long-term fix this is what i do this is what sets me apart and people don't know they don't they don't, it's just because we haven't educated them properly. They don't know anything else. They just are like, okay, well, yeah, my back hurts, so I should go to a chiropractor. It's like, well, okay, well, here's why you shouldn't do that. And then just educating and giving information. And that's what I've done over the years. Like I said, I have all these videos and I'm like, I just think of myself as a patient. I'm like, what could this patient be thinking? And I, t I get rid of my analytical mindset as a doctor and I just go like what are some questions like why don't you do adjustments like I'm stretching my hamstrings why aren't they getting any better what the heck is bursitis and just having a whole thing of this to educate people and then people consume information so so much that they they want to see that and it's a voice of reason they're like man maybe I'm not crazy I went to that Cairo for a year and I really didn't feel better like 
It's because he wasn't addressing my scar tissue or my inflammation or stuff like that. I don't, you know, are you familiar with any of Paul Check's work? I don't think so, no. He's a, you know, he's an interesting guy um, over here in the States, but he talks about you have four types of, you have four doctors that you need in your life. One is your doctor quiet. That's a doctor where you sleep and you rest and recover. That could be whatever. These aren't like actual doctors. They could be whatever. And then you have doctor movement. Those are like us, like the soft tissue specialists, the movement people, things like that, massage, things like that. Then you have doctor diet, which is all of your nutrition and what you put in your body. And then lastly, you have doctor happiness. That is your, your mental state, your meditations, your mindset and stuff like that. And your injury has components of all of that. And what happens is we try to make it like one size fits all. And they're like, okay, if I get my subluxation fixed, I'm gonna be good. It's like, well, you only address one of those. You only address doctor movement. Okay, so you're missing out on that. Or I go to a physio and he's like, my glutes aren't firing, that's why my back hurts. Okay, you only address one component of that. Like, it has to be a full spectrum. And instead of all of us bashing each other back and forth and like, I do this and I do this and where's your research? It's like, where do I come in in this process? And everyone works as a team instead of just trying to find that one size fits all. So that's, that's been something that I've really analyzed and realized myself. Do you do much uh, referral out to those other services or do you generally just keep all of that in-house and, and under, under your uh, umbrella? We actually do it all under one one roof um, in the method that I created, the peak method, where we address all of those components, inflammation, um, diet, degeneration, tissue problem, breathing, all that. And it is overwhelming, but I know if we have it all under one roof that people are going to be more likely to do it than having to go to four other different places. So creating these centers where you have a therapist on schedule you have a movement specialist, you have a nutritionist, you have a meditation area. Like this is the future of healthcare, um, but the front and center needs to be the soft tissue practitioner because they can diagnose and figure out the problems and then they send people down the path they need to go. Yeah, that's awesome, I like that. Yeah, man, good stuff. Um, little yeah. ra little ranty, but that's okay. That I like, to, I like no, to get- I enjoyed that. I like to get ranty, but yeah, we'll keep it up and then let's we'll do one more one more of these next week, like kind of going into a little bit more. Maybe I can explain my method a little bit and how I figured it out. Um and how we implement it in my own practice and how we get the results that we get because we incorporate all four of those doctors in our practice. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear about that. That'd be um that'd be really cool. All right, man, we'll keep filming, keep good in there. Um you know, one thing I would try to do and I did it myself was like set a goal for yourself that every day for the next year, you're going to record something, be it an audio, a quick Instagram video, something on YouTube. And you'll be amazed at how much information you'll have when you do that. Because you look back at, look at me now, I have four or 500 videos on YouTube that I can use forever and I can help people. So try to do that. Like even if it's a minute. Like record something and share your message and it's going to help you communicate with people better and really put you in a good spot. 
Yeah, I'll probably end up with a lot less followers because I have to look at my ugly fucking head every day. That's all right, man. I used to be bloated and fat and ugly, but now I'm hands now I'm handsome and people want to look from all over the place. So it's good. <laughs> but it really helps you communicate better. But yeah, we'll uh we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. All right, man. Bye. See ya. See you soon.